Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Mariah Rose. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the party. Whoop, whoop. You joined us just in time to grab our handy dandy time machine and see where it takes us. Yeah, we've got one. Jealous? Yep. It's right here. Here we go. Whoa, time The future. The year is 1975. <laughs> We're very professional. We're so professional. We got this down. Okay, well. Here we are. 1975, we've arrived. Oh, who's making that robot voice? Oh, well, it's just uh, one of our... One of our interns. Uh, the time travel <laughs> robot. Yep. Yeah, we pay him with motor oil and crackers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, 1975. Well, once again, we're back in the 70s. Yeah, We haven't been here in a while, and uh, we weren't born yet. No. 1975. You know who was born in 1975? No. You do. It's Angelina Jolie. <laughs> And you know who died in 1975? Mm, no. Rod Serling. <laughs> I was going to tell a joke, but I feel like you wouldn't know the punchline. I don't. Let's see if you do. Hey, why did they send so much toilet paper to the Twilight Zone? Do, 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 do. Woo, landed it. Yeah, we're up and running in this episode. Yeah, it's the future. Wait, past. It's past, Mariah. (laughs) Keep up. All right. This month, we have Journey to 1975. Uh We hopped in our car and we drove to a drive-in theater to see an old grindhouse feature called Switchblade Sisters. Yes. Meet the toughest gang of teenage girls ever to slash their way across a motion picture screen. Their parents didn't want them. Their teachers were scared of them. Even the cops couldn't tame them. Switchblade sisters. Are the young rebels fighting for survival in a decaying society? Or are they just teenage hoodlums taking advantage of their youth? They can't hold us. We're juveniles. (laughs) First, you'll meet Lace. She's as affectionate as a scorpion, with all the loving tenderness of a buzzsaw. Okay, you want me out? You're gonna have to You got knocked off, right? Big deal! If you go, it's gonna turn out She'd rather kill her man than lose him. Then there's Maggie, Lace's best friend, a shapely young bundle of female dynamite, and Lace's man lit the fuse. You're a chicken. Say it! You'll also meet the girl who used her young body to earn the nickname of Bunny. I have a little something to uh, relax the nerve, and it's only five bucks. Come on, Superman. 
And then there's the one they just called Patch. I lost my eye for this gang, remember? We used to be tough. They also call her the Smiling Cobra. Shameless. Impudent woman! And from now on, that's gonna be us! The Switchblade Sisters. <laughs> You'll laugh with them. <laughs> You'll love with them. Maggie? What's going on in there? Maggie? You got a boy in there? But don't try to fight with them. Go <laughs> Remember, I want him alive. Two teenage wildcats, both hung up on the same guy. One of them had to go the hard way. Meet the teenage girl gang even the cops were scared of. Switchblade Sisters is a story of today, and maybe a little bit of tomorrow. All right, Switchblade Sisters. We've seen it a couple times. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long time. It since has been we a long time, it. and I was really happy that it held up. It, yeah, it surprised me too. <laughs> yeah, I was a little afraid I wouldn't like it as much as I did the first time. There are a few like not PC moments, and you just have to ride with it because it's 1975. It's also an exploitation film from 1975, so know what you're getting into. Speaking of, this was directed by Jack Hill, who fans of exploitation cinema from the late 60s, early 70s would definitely know his name. He worked with Roger Corman for a long time, and he's responsible for, as as the uh, word on the street goes, discovering Pam Greer. Ooh. Which makes sense, because he's the one who's responsible for Coffee and Foxy Brown and oh, all those. okay. So his name is definitely well known in in the circle of exploitation films from the 70s. But how we got to this film is that he decided in the early to mid 70s to break with Roger Corman and start his own film production company. I don't know if this is the first one or the second one that he did. The, the first one might have been The Swinging Cheerleaders, but I have a feeling like it wasn't. Regardless... Switchblade Sisters is a result of him kind of going out on his own and wanting to make his own movies, uh, produce them himself, and that's how we got it. And he started with a $320,000 budget, which is actually a pretty healthy budget yeah, for, for an exploitation film. And as he mentioned in an interview from, I think, the 90s, the whole notion for this film, the premise behind it, was based on Shakespeare's Othello. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense, too. There's... But it's such a basic idea. <laughs> yeah. Othello, it's loose. I get it. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. And he also said that he, you know, interviewed actual girl gangs from the time and stuff to try what? and add authenticity. But it, it Is was this kinda... like junior high girl gangs? No, I think it was legit street gangs. But what he said was... To try and make a serious street gang film with girls in hot pants seems stupid, so that's why they just threw it out the window and were like, let's just make this as fun as possible. Yeah, yeah. So it's very self-aware. It's fun. That's the thing about Jack Hill's films, too, is he knows what he's doing. He wants you to have a good time as you're watching them. It's not too serious. So I think that's what makes his, his movie so enjoyable, and this being really, I mean, sure, the other ones are, are pretty awesome, Foxy Brown and stuff, but this is really... The film. Oh, I If you're going to watch one film. of his movies. Yeah. This one's awesome. But that's how we got to Switchblade Sisters, which was originally entitled uh, The Jezebels, but yes. it got switched. And I don't know if you remember that, 
Quentin Tarantino, of all people who we'll, we'll talk about at the end, talked about how the original title was The Jezebels. They put it out for, you know, screen audiences and stuff, and it didn't go so well. And they thought, well, maybe we need something more catchy. So they changed it to Switchblade Sisters, and it bombed entirely. And they were like, well, I guess it didn't really matter. Yeah. So, although personally... Uh, speaking, I really love Switchblade Sisters. I like that title too. I prefer it to Jezebel. I think it's awesome. But that's how we arrive at it in 1975. Uh, do you remember any of this before rewatching this the other night? Um, I didn't really remember the storyline. So it was, it was very fun. I just knew it was about a girl gang and it was like two girls fighting for control. And that's about all I remembered. Yeah, I didn't quite remember everything. And then as I started watching it, it was all flooding back to me. So that when each yeah. scene happened, I remembered it vividly. But I just wouldn't have been able to recall it had you have asked me on the spot. But yeah. it's interesting how much of an impression it made on us. I, I think it's probably been like 20 years since we watched it. I would say it. so, yeah. And the last time I watched it, I think over time, uh, the scenes that I do remember got distorted or expanded. So like certain scenes like... I don't know, the burger shop scene, mm-hmm. scene seemed really long in my memory, but it's just a little bit in the beginning. It's almost <laughs> nothing. Such a great scene, oh, too. Yeah. yeah, we haven't seen this in probably 20 years. We saw it when we first went to college, I think, and I found this tape uh, no, last we, year. we first saw it in high school. Oh, did we? Yes, because I know this because we took a trip to Europe right after oh, we graduated right. high yep. school. <laughs> and... Um, I had a little group of, we took it with um, people we had gone to arts class with in our advanced placement art class. And I was kind of in charge of like the younger people. They were, let's say a little rough around the edges. And (laughs) I was put in charge because I was, I guess, responsible, but we called ourselves the Switchblade Sisters. That's right. And as a nod to that, knowing that you did that, my group of friends that was also over there in Europe with you, we called ourselves the Grey Daggers, which isn't an exact homage, but it was a, a joke and a little nod to Switchblade Sisters. Yes. So that's right. Now, the reason why we were able to rewatch it recently is uh, I was just out kind of driving around and I saw a sign for an estate sale. I went to the house and looked around and there wasn't really much of anything and they asked what I was looking for and I said well I always you know wonder about VHS tapes and they always do the same thing where they go oh you still buy those Mm -hmm. and they said come back next weekend and we'll pull some out for you and I thought well sure but I did it anyway and next weekend I went back to the house and I arrived and I said hey I was the one that was looking for VHS and they said oh right And they sure enough pulled out a little box. There wasn't a whole lot in there, but there was a couple deep cuts. And one of them was Switchblade Sisters was sitting in there. So I grabbed it. I was so excited. So it's a a fun addition to have in the collection for sure. Absolutely. So let's just dive in. This movie starts out so strong. We have immediate like tie into the title. There's a babe sharpening her switchblade. It's so great with a super groovy soundtrack. You know, it's got that 70s funk groove. It's it's awesome. It's everything you want in these types of films. Absolutely. And then we kind of cut into somebody else. So we we get the sense that we're in like an apartment complex, but it's really like run down. And next door, there is an old lady and two children watching TV and the like repossession guy, repo guys coming to take back their TV because apparently people had to make payments on giant TVs in the 70s. Yeah, I believe it. 
so he's there and he's like, I'm going to take it. And he kind of gives her the rundown until this woman gives like maybe her food money. It kind of looked like she was in dire straits. And then he goes to the elevator with his money and this first switchblade sister, whose name is we later find out is Lace. She hops in the elevator with him. And slowly as the elevator goes down more like hot, babes like with a little bit of a rough edge get in to the elevator and they attack him and get their money back yep and this is when we meet our our main members of the gang lace being the leader of of the gang Mm -hmm. and the gangs the silver daggers will later meet very shortly which is the male gang Uh but they are the dagger debs yes who are kind of an offshoot girl version of the gang kind of like the girlfriends and stuff of the other gang members yeah but the leader of the dagger debs is lace now she's pretty awesome she's cool she has her hair up in like a a little cap like a biker cap yeah so it looks short and when it's up like that she looks to me a little bit like halsey but it's actually she's got really long hair yeah and um, the other main member of that gang that we meet right away is Patch. You can't miss her because she has an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, and we'll find out her backstory later in the movie. Well, I do wanted to to say um, I've got this week's fun fact real oh, early. Wow, right away. Okay, let's Just go. Just dive in. <laughs> All right, so Lace is played by an actress named Robbie Lee. She is, most importantly, the voice of Twink from (laughs) Rainbow Bright. (laughs) That's funny. Did you know it? No, I didn't. But once I read up on that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's Twink's voice, which was really weird to watch the rest of the movie. But... Twink from Rainbow Bright, if you're an 80s kid, you know it, you love it. We should probably do an episode on Rainbow Bright. But she also did voices in Pound Puppies and, like, just so many. So she goes on to have quite a career as a voice actor. It makes so much sense because her voice sounds like a cartoon character. Actually, Robbie Lee is not the only person from this cast who went on to have, like, quite a career oh really as a voice actress um the woman who plays bunny janice carmen she goes on to play theodore and alvin and the chipmunks really yeah in the like 90s and 2000s like a really long career of being the voice of theodore wow well good for them yeah they were able to still have a career getting back to the story to the movie We have just had this elevator shakedown. All of the girls go over to their burger place where we are introduced to the Silver Daggers. The the leader of the Silver Daggers is Lace's boyfriend, Dominic. Yes. So Silver Daggers, Dagger Debs, they (laughs) intimidate everybody out of this burger joint, except... For one beautiful, she just looks kind of preppy lady, she's sitting down and they try to intimidate her out, but she like whips out her belt and uses it as an actual whip and it's awesome. hits Patch in the eyeball. It's her so eye's great. okay, don't worry. <laughs> but it she like proves herself, but right as it's like escalating, the police come and arrest the Dagger Debs for the assault in the elevator and Maggie gets pulled into it. Yeah, what is your first impression of Maggie? 
um, babe and a half. She is a total babe. Yeah, absolutely. And she is played by a woman named Joanne Nail. And she did like TV in the 70s and 80s, but nothing major. She's great in this role. Totally pro. Yeah, she just hams it up. I think that's what I like too, is they all know what kind of movie they're in. And they're all in Mm -hmm. with it. Like, nobody is a weak link in this film. I think they're all super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Like, when you look at Lace's acting, she talks everything. Yes, everything's like, got her mouth teeth. closed. She's going to talk through her teeth. Yes, gritted it's teeth. so funny. And so all these teen girls are taken in to the police station to, like, a... I don't know. They're, like, staying in a youth juvenile situation. And there's, like, a an evil warden and she gives Maggie a swirly and the dagger dabs finally step in and they like make an alliance. Mm -hmm. Maggie gets released early with a message for Dominic from Lace. So fresh out of Juvie, I think it was like a 10 minute stint in Juvie. It seemed pretty quick. It was pretty quick. Swirly and release. She goes to Dominic who's in his weird gang hideout and he comes with, she comes with a letter And he's a real turd. He reads it aloud to his friends making fun of Lace, who just, like, written him a really sweet poem. And he reads it, and they all sort of mock her. And Maggie is not impressed and leaves. She smacks him in the face for making fun of her. And this is when we find out that um, he is not a good character. No. And this is also a reminder that you are watching like an exploitation film because the way it just plays fast and loose with morals. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's yeah. a little rough in some spots. Yeah, it is. And this is one of those major issues that shows how far we've come as a society because he just follows her home, rapes her, but like halfway through she starts to kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And then, then he's he- like, well, that's what you were asking for. Yeah, and then he punches her mom, and then he asks Maggie if she's all right. And he's like, are you okay? Like, what's the deal? I think he punched Maggie, too. I'm pretty sure. And then he was like, well, are you okay? What's going on? Yeah, and, like, she's just kind of okay with it, I guess. It's weird. Like, she's annoyed. Well, we definitely can gather that he's not very smart. Oh, he's awful, yeah. could barely read that letter out loud. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah, it was kind of funny, though. (laughs) Yeah, and then this is where I realized the next scene, they're all in high school. Yeah. This is a high school gang, like, truly a gang that centers around and, like, runs and patrols their high school. Which is awesome. (laughs) Yes. And the Dagger Debs are, along with the guys, enforcers of the education uh, system, I guess. Like, the dagger devs make sure that the teacher can, you know, speak when a student is giving them trouble. It's very weird. It's really weird. It's funny, though. You can tell it's all, like, tongue-in-cheek. Yes. And then a, the principal comes, and he talks to Dominic, and he's like, oh, hey, hey, I want to give you the heads up. You're the rival gang uh, that you're really upset about. They're being transferred to the same high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Yep. And that principal would really appreciate a gang truce, a high school gang truce. Which is not going to happen. Patch comes up and reveals that Dom is Dominic. Short, short for Dom is short. For yeah, Dom. yeah. We okay, get that. he is interested in Maggie. So Patch is kind of trying to put a wedge between Maggie and Lace because she's jealous. Yeah, and it works pretty, pretty brilliantly. At first, Lace isn't buying it. She's like, "No way, Maggie's my friend." Whatever. You know what's weird about Patch is she's a horrible character, 
but also kind of like the coolest. But she does nothing to be cool other than look cool. She looks really, she looks really, really cool. cool. But yes. there's nothing cool about her in this movie. She has an eye patch, dude. <laughs> That's true. And a switchblade. Like a thousand cool points. <laughs> but Maggie needs to be initiated into the Dagger Debs if she wants to hang with them. So what she is supposed to do is bring the, like a medallion of the rival gang leader. Well, this is when we get Patch's backstory. Is yes. that's how Patch lost her eye? Was that's what she had to do to get into the gang? Was lose an eye? I don't think she had to lose an eye, but she lost an eye sure. in the initiation. Yes, it was one of the things that happened, and so that's why she gets mad because they just want to put her in the gang. Yeah, they're like, they're yeah, like, she's yeah. awesome. She's in, and then that's when Patch is like, "Wait a minute! I lost my eye to get in here. She has to do something." Yes, and so she has to go get rival gang leader's medallion. Rival gang leader's name crabs mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you get that well it's actually like a play on his real name but i want to think that he just had crabs boy let's talk about crabs oh he's an interesting looking character he's got thin slick hair with bangs it's sort of like the monkey's haircut it's kind of like a leftover from a glam rock era too okay but like nerdier and shinier and thinner. And he's got this weird outfit on. It's like, okay, so he's got like clearly a receding hairline, but he pulled it forward and he trimmed it into some slick bangs. And then <laughs> the rest goes like ear length. Yeah. It's kind of a bob. I really enjoy the look of this character a yes. lot. It's really funny. I would straight up wear his outfit today, though. Medallion and all. Actually, we were trying to decide. We couldn't figure the source of the medallion. We we're like, is that medallion something that's offensive? Let's not no, look into it. No, it looks to be some kind of like French military award or something. Who knows? I, who knows? They, they found probably found it in a thrift store. And she goes into his lair, and it really looks like it's a college paper. But yeah, it's, it's like, like a maybe front. like a. They have a building for their high school paper. Mm-hmm. And she's dressed really preppy. So she's like, not dressed cool. She's dressed like in a nice little sundress. Yeah. And she's playing them, saying, you know, this is, I'm the peace offering and you can have me. Mm-hmm. But really, she's just going to seduce him to steal his medallion. Does she bite his peen to get the medallion? I think that's kind of what happens. But the best part is right after. She grabs a medallion, gets up, and instead of going <laughs> out of the door, this is probably one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. She, like Incredible Hulk, busts through the wall. Oh, and just keeps running. That's how I'm going to leave every room from now on. It's so incredible. That scene is inc- so amazing. She could just open the door. Yeah. It was locked from the inside. She just had to open it. But instead, she went top tier. I'm going to break through the wall instead. Yeah, but she shows him. Everybody's like ooing and aahing. She's in the gang. Mm-hmm. And Crab is not happy about this. And the retaliation is swift and extreme. Yeah. They shoot Dom's brother and then rape his brother's girlfriend. Yeah, and then just dump her off and keep going because uh, his necklace was stolen. This high school gang got this is really intense. serious. Yeah, this is really serious. Well, as we're going to find out, it gets crazy serious. Yes, that escalated quickly. All right. Now, Lace reveals that she is pregnant. This is the time to drop that truth bomb. Dominic is obviously a horrible person. She doesn't really know that. But his brother was just shot. Like, maybe save that news for, like, just 
maybe save it for tomorrow. And she's like, this is the only thing that's going to keep us together. And then he just throws money at her face and says, you know what to use this for and walks yeah. off. He is a horrible character. He's pretty bad. Although it's exactly what you would expect from like the leader of a street gang. Uh, a high school street gang. Yeah. yeah, high school street gang at that. Yeah. We didn't talk about the gang, though. There's a, a couple fun people in the gang, but one of them... One of his like right hand man in the in the gang is Mitch, isn't that his name from that '70s show? Yes, in this in this film, he's called Hook. He's played by Don Stark, and yeah, he plays Donna's yeah. like dad from he that '70s looks show. Identical, yeah. Seriously, like just different kind of his hair. His they gave him a perm. Yeah, thinned out a little, and he's a little older, but it was like the exact same person. Absolutely, it was really funny. Definitely, I agree. <laughs> Lace is really upset, obviously, that sure. uh, Dominic reacted this way. And she chooses this opportunity to secretly grab the medallion, the stolen crabs medallion. Mm-hmm. And she takes it and we get the idea she's got a little bit of a plan. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, we find out that in retaliation to his brother being shot, that Dom and Maggie have cooked up. A counter plan to get them, which is going to go down at the roller rink. <laughs> it's where it all goes down. I feel like we've been talking about roller skates a lot lately. That's true. So there's a big plan. And as they're there, we get some really great shots of gang members roller skating. It's so cool. It is pretty cool. But it's very clear very quickly that they've been tipped off. Something yeah. is not right. And this is where, when we talked about it escalating, it turns into a full-out, like, bloodbath gang warfare with guns and everything. Yeah, it is <laughs> bonkers. roller skating. And they don't. They break out the guns, and everybody stays on the floor. <laughs> They're true. still skating. They don't, like, go hop over. There. I mean, a few of them, like, hop over that wall. We have full warfare on roller skates. Machine guns. I don't know, maybe. I don't know guns. Definitely switchblades. Well, duh. Basically, you just need to know roller skates and guns. People are getting shot. One person who gets shot in particular is Dom. Yeah. He's dead, man. He is shot and nobody feels sad about it. I mean, a few people kind of Well, Lace is pretty bummed out about it. Well, because it's revealed that Lace... Maybe <laughs> tipped tipped off crabs about this because she just wanted crabs to get uh, Maggie. Yeah, and instead he got Dom. And as she's in the hospital, she spills the beans to Patch, and Patch is like, "You can't say a word. We we're just gonna this. set yeah. Maggie up, and we're gonna take her down, and you're gonna take the gang back over because in this in this transitional time, Maggie has taken over the gang." Yeah, Maggie's yeah. a real power player here. She's a social climber, and she renames it the Jezebels, and that's where we get the original title from. Yeah, it's great. And Maggie, like, she's like, actually, we're done with the guys. And the women just are like, yeah, guys, and they just kick them and leave. After, like, you guys suck. We just saw what happened at the roller rink. Yeah. That never would have happened on our watch. Goodbye. Yeah, this is a reoccurring theme, and... One of the legacies of Jack Hill's films in general is an underlying uh, current of feminist kind of tones and subplots. And I would 100% agree that they just there's no like 
uh, deal with it. They just kick the guys out and take yeah. over. It's They're, pretty awesome. They absolutely are like, you're awful. You're gone. Yeah, you're out. They make fun of Hook. Uh, is that how he got his name? Was his oh. Hook penis? Oh, I Remember don't know. she said some weird thing about it's curved? Yeah. And he was like, stop saying that. And then they just make fun of him and kick him out of the gang. Oh, I guess so. <laughs> okay. This is an interesting film. All right. So they've taken over the gang. They've renamed themselves. And now they cross town and they find it's not really a rival gang of women, but they find another gang of women and they team up. So yeah. They all want crabs out. Basically, they just want lady gangs in charge. And this is awesome because they put together like armored vehicles and Tommy guns or whatever they have. And and this is where the film goes kind of off the rails bananas. If it wasn't already. <laughs> like if the roller rink slaughter wasn't enough, it's going to turn into all out street warfare now. Yeah, the Jezebels train with this rival gang. And I don't think we ever got a name for them. They were obsessed with Chairman Mao. Yeah, a little weird. I don't remember their name. I don't think I saw it or read it, so it probably was never revealed. The Jezebels, though, teamed up with this other gang. They're ready to take on Krabs and his gang at the fake paper or whatever. I think there it's a real paper. It's like a um, soup truck. There's a soup truck out front, and they start messing with that first. Yeah. And then it escalates quickly, as per usual. Yeah, to a There's full shootout. In the Molotov streets. cocktails, boys <laughs> versus girls. It's so great. A battle sedan. It's like hashtag urban warfare. Oh, totally. And it's like an armored, it's like Mad Max style, like an armored vehicle with a machine gun. Yeah, one of the gang members, actually, they didn't have like a real uh, stunt coordinator. They just had a stunt man in charge and apparently didn't do a very good job. So the (laughs) actress that's sticking out of the top of the car, I guess, was kind of injured as they were going over like curbs and stuff. Oh, well, it's not a surprise. No, absolutely not. And it wasn't like a huge deal. She was fine. Also, we should note, somebody brought a mace to this. <laughs> like, I got this mace. I'm thinking about it. It's pretty awesome, but it all kind of comes to a head when Maggie corners crabs. And she's going to get information out of him, like, who set us up? Yeah. And Patch is right there and shoots him before he can say anything. And Before that's, he can reveal that it was Yeah, waste. and that's when Maggie puts two and two together and knows, oh, it was you two that, mm-hmm. that did all this. And so... The film kind of comes to a head at the very, very end back at the gang hangout. They're having a Jezebel's cake uh, celebration cake because don't you know, after gang warfare. You celebrate with a cake. Well, it's high school. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so they decide to have a confrontation. And all of a sudden there's going to be a final knife fight to decide who is the leader of the gang. Is it going to be Maggie or Lace? Yeah. Lace goes like crazy in this last scene. She really tries to assert her dominance. The way she talks <laughs> reminded me so much of Feruza Balk. She reminded me of Feruza Balk a lot. It's like the when she's in her like peak crazy. Yeah. Like the craft era Feruza Balk. Yeah. Yeah. They a lot of similarities there, which that I really Skeet enjoyed. Ulrich scene. Yeah. Yes. I really enjoyed that. There's this knife fight, they're cutting each other. And then Maggie ends up killing Lace. And the way in which it happens is great. It's like an old school 50s movie with the shadow on the wall of the night fight. And she like stabs her in the neck. Meanwhile, the whole time the cops have been staking it out. 
And instead of raiding, they're like, no, let one of them kill the other and then we can put them all away. Yeah. And it works out perfect. Yeah, because earlier in the film, they had been saying, like, they're underage. We don't, none of this stuff sticks. So they're hoping with the murder that they can actually put them away. And they do. They get Maggie. She's covered in blood. She just killed Lace. And she's great in the end. She's, like, totally psychotic and taunting the cops and everything else as they're taking yes. away. Oh, but oh, the best so part good. is they're like gonna take patch in and then the whole gang is like i don't know her i don't know her yeah they disown her and so she doesn't go to jail because she's disowned by her gang and her alliance with lace obviously means nothing you know, patches out and that is the way the film ends it is so good so much fun to watch yeah go watch it give yourself this special gift did you read up on the release re-release of it I did. I also, before we even get into that, just want to give a special shout out to the composer, Mm. Les Baxter, who did all the like super groovy funk music in it. He's just this seasoned old school exploitation composer. He did a billion things, but some really big ones too. He did when Corman did all of those uh, House of Usher, Pit and Pendulum, all those. He did all those. But he also did all the beach party films and stuff like that. Wow. I mean, the score is really fun and it adds so much character to the film because as you've got these like high school thugs walking around in the street with switchblades and leather jackets, you've got this like groovy score going from the 70s. Yeah. It's just perfect. It really is. So great. Everything you want in this kind of film. Style is cool too. Really campy. Yeah. Really fun. So I just want to kind of quickly mention that. But yes. So what happened originally, as I said, it was a $320,000 budget. It was released on May 1st, 1975, and it only made $51,000. So it was a bomb. Mm -hmm. No surprise there. Nope. It started to gain kind of a little bit of underground cult status, but a very small group. You have to keep in mind this was... If you saw it in the theater or you had a friend who had a copy of it somehow, great. This is where the key player in all of this comes in is Quentin Tarantino, who, if you know his backstory, love him or hate him, the dude is a film buff. And he loves, loves, loves 60s, 70s exploitation films. You know, he worked in a theater. We all are in a, a video store. We all know that whole kind of story of his but, but his mind like retains he retains so everything he's like this encyclopedia he loves jack hill films he loves mm-hmm. jack hill he's a like super fan and he loved this movie in particular like absolutely uh-huh. loved it so after he had started to gain some success we're talking the mid 90s you know after pulp fiction yeah. had really taken off which makes perfect sense that we would have seen this in high school because that was the mid to late yeah. 90s is he had started a company called Rolling Thunder Pictures. And the whole idea was to re-release some of these old exploitation deep cuts. It's a beautiful idea to share like your inspiration with a new generation of people who follow you. Yeah. Because they nobody would have had access to it. No. And so he deserve he absolutely deserves the credit for this one because mm-hmm. He re-released Switchblade Sisters on VHS in, I think, 1996. Mm-hmm. And a whole entire market and generation of people who had never even heard of it were now instantly aware of this cult classic. And it took off from there. And he didn't just do that. He had a huge premiere in L.A. I actually read an interview with some of the actresses. He like he got them all 
Oh, to yeah, come like back. put them all together and stuff. Yeah, one of them, I can't even remember which one offhand, but she said that her, you know, agent or whatever contacted her and she was like, what? This isn't real. <laughs> like, didn't believe it. And they even, like, hired a car to pick her up, take her to the premiere and the after party. And she wasn't, like, even sure it was real until she got there and saw all these women she had worked with, you know, 20 years prior. <laughs> That's amazing. He, mm-hmm. he really did take it seriously. And he he is very passionate about this kind of film, and, and he wanted it to be seen by a large audience. And it is 100% directly linked to this release on VHS that Switchblade Sisters just took off and became, you know, like, completely cemented in a cult classic. Yeah. Due to him, and that's the copy that we got, is the Quentin Tarantino Rolling Thunder release. And that's the copy that we saw in high school, and I'm so thankful for it. So because of that, this film has really changed over the years and and gained a huge audience that the people who are lucky enough to know it, most likely through this release, really do love it. Because mm-hmm. there's what what's not to love about this film. Although if you saw this release, I have a bone to pick with the editor of the Quentin Tarantino interview at the end. Oh, yeah. Well, I do like this idea, is that if you stick around after the movie, he gives a little backstory about how the film came to be and some fun facts. And that's great because mm-hmm. he's so passionate about it. But you can't watch it. I, I have uh, a little bit of an issue with... Um, Vertigo? Yes, with Vertigo. And I couldn't watch it. Like, I had to turn my head away because I was going to puke or tip over or something because of the editor's cuts. It's nonstop moving the camera with it zooming in and out the whole time, too. Which was like a thing in the 90s. Yeah, what was that? I'm glad it was very short-lived. Ugh. Yeah, that would be my only gripe with the release is that. It's a small detail. Other than that, hella good film. Oh, yeah. Watch it, find it, delight in it. I can't wait to see what else, now that we're in 1975, that we can go check out. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, Well, I guess we should be used to it by now. Probably. We're back. Here we are. Here we are. Time machine is done. Retired for the month. It'll be back. But hopefully this week was a fun look at the past. So until next week, uh, have a have a great day, have a great week, and we'll see you.